Welcome back to the show. Uh, this week, I have a really good show for you today. I'm really excited to have a discussion and talk about the main part of the show, uh, which is something that I think is really underrated in the soccer coaching community. In my opinion, it's one of the most important things. And I just don't think enough coaches understand the depths that you can go in, but also how important it is for youth soccer development. On top of that, I'm going to talk about the Manchester game this weekend, uh, Manchester City game. For those that don't know, Manchester City is my favorite team. And uh, one more thing I want to talk about as well, but it's going to be a really great show. So uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. Usually I start the show by talking about the games that I had this weekend. And this weekend was supposed to be the first weekend of games for our league, our indoor league. We were supposed to have our, uh, we were supposed to have how many games? Three games this weekend for teams. And two days before the league started, we had a league-wide meeting. And in that league-wide meeting, they went through the registration process. Now, when you go through the registration process, two days before the league starts with over 100 plus teams, of course, of course, people aren't going to be ready. So it was really disappointing um, how disorganized the league was. Uh, and as a result, the games got canceled this weekend. So there were no games. And I'm going to be honest with you, I needed those games. Um, I don't know why, but at the beginning of every season, before we start playing, I'm always nervous. Once the season starts, you know, I'm okay. But it's just something that, you know, I'm not sure. We have new players. We have just, it, it, it's it's a very uncertain feeling. So I just kind of wanted to get started and I wanted to get going with the season. And now we got to wait another week uh, to get things going. This weekend, we have some interesting games and teams. Uh, again, three games I'll talk about a little bit later on. We have six teams all the way from U9 to U14. So starting next week, we'll get back to that. So instead, I had uh, a very rare Saturday off. And whenever I have a Saturday off, I like to wake up early and watch some English Premier League games. Now, uh, my favorite team as I mentioned, is Manchester City. And uh, my friends don't really like that. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you why. They don't like that because before that, my favorite team was Liverpool. And then I switched over to Manchester City. And I know, I know, I know. People don't like that. People don't like when you switch teams. But I'll tell you this. My favorite teams have nothing to do with the actual teams. It's more the coaching for me because I love coaching. And that's why I do what I do. So for me, for a very long time, I really liked uh, the way Klopp played. And because we're in Canada and we didn't really used to have access to the Bundesliga or uh, the Spanish League as well, uh, it was really just the English Premier League. And that's really the depth of coaching that we got to see. So... Since Pep came in and I started studying him and, and what he did, he's become my favorite coach. And now Canadian soccer uh, has kind of expanded and now we get 
different channels from around the world and there's other ways to get it which weren't there before so we can watch any team pretty much in the world that we want and now you can follow really good coaches from around the world so while i kind of bounced around my favorite team has nothing to do with the team itself it has to do more with the coaching and and i really like the way pep plays and that's who i study and because of that Manchester City has become my favorite team. Now, uh, if he leaves or when he leaves, because he won't be there forever, you know, I'm really not sure what's going to happen. I don't I don't know if I'm going to follow him or uh, stay loyal to a Manchester City team who I've just loved the way that they they play. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about a couple of things that I noticed within that game one of them was really important and it seemed like the plan which had been in previous games to uh find erling down the middle try and get him the ball in any way possible really changed what i noticed this game was that the idea was more can we get the ball to the wingers now you've got foden on one side but what was really interesting was that, don't get me wrong, Foden is fantastic. He's one of my favorite players. But he was not the player that stood out to me. It was this new guy, Jeremy Doku. And you're like, Jeremy who? That's right, Jeremy Doku. I had no idea who he was. Um, unfortunately, as a soccer coach, uh, you don't get to watch as many games on Saturday. So this was really one of the first full games that I watched him play. And this guy is on another level. The plan was, it seemed like, can we get the ball to him in the wide space, have him attract as many people as possible to him while he absolutely destroys them with deceptive dribbling move, not moves, because he pretty much used one move over and over again where he would beat them down the line using that specific move. He would beat them down the line, but angle his run in from the wide space to the half space and then do a cutback. And that ended up being how Manchester City scored one of their goals. And it's a very Manchester City type goal, which is what they used to do. They used to do these type of goals before Holland came into the team. And it was get the ball to a winger. Wingers would beat players from the wide space to the half space, and then they would do these cutbacks. And since Holland has come in, it's been a lot more direct. So it was really good to see them kind of go backwards into something that I really enjoy because getting the ball to Holland is one thing, right? And, and it's great, but it's not the reason I watch the game. I don't watch the game for crosses and headers and all that. that's not it. I'm looking for some game-changing moment and we call those players game changers, right? I love watching game changers and there are different types of game changers. There is a Holland type of game changer, which is doesn't matter where you put it. I'm going to put it in the net. And that's fantastic. And, you know, that gets fans excited watching goals. But I actually like to watch everything before the goal. You know, once the ball's in the net, that's great. Shots and goals, that's great. But the assist to me are so much more important because it's those players creativity to see and find players that are in the open space 
to make those great passes, right? And a lot of those are passes or they have to somehow penetrate the line to get it to a player or they have to beat players and, and do great deceptive dribbling moves and things like that or one twos and just these parts of the game that to me are so much more beautiful than just frankly how Manchester City has been playing. And that's just getting Holland the ball and Holland does what Holland does and that's score and, and and that's great. But again, to me, that's not as entertaining. So I thought that that was one of the most entertaining things. Now, the other thing that was really great about the way they played was their pressing. And what was very evident to see within their pressing game is actually what we're going to talk about today. And that is the idea of scanning. Now, scanning for me is the most important coaching point. And it is something that you should be focusing on starting at five years old. And you should continue that focus throughout a player's whole career. There shouldn't be a practice where scanning isn't involved. Now, it may not be directly involved. And what I mean by directly is actually talking about it and coaching it with coaching points. But there has to be some sort of element in every single session that you have of scanning. And even, which I would never do, but even if you just play a game, right, you, which we, we haven't had a scrimmage in our academy in forever. I can't even remember the last time we had a scrimmage. But if you just scrimmage your teams, that should still be a focus. There should still be scanning in the scrimmage. So this, to me, is something that we need to talk about. Now, a lot of people will think, well, okay, Sega, scanning is just, you know, just look around and, and see what's going on. And there is so much depth and there is so much detail that needs to be talked about. And I'm really, really excited to do that with you today. So let's start firstly by defining scanning. What is scanning? Scanning is looking from one shoulder to the other shoulder. That is how I define scanning. So you move your head all the way to your right shoulder and you look. And then you move your head all the way to your left shoulder and you look. And to me, the act of doing that consistently is scanning, right? So scanning, scanning, scanning. Now we talk about this and how do we start it from a very, very young age. And when we talk about young age, we talk about five years old because that's how that's the first age group that we have in our academy. We have five years old uh, players that come into our academy and we want them from the age they are five to scan. Now, if you've ever told a five year old to scan and told them shoulder to shoulder, always keep going shoulder to shoulder. That's not really going to work. So we develop games that force players to scan. And this is what I was talking about, that every session, even if it's not coached, it should still be a part of the session. So what do we do with five-year-olds to get them to start scanning? Well, we play tag type games. So every single player has a ball on their feet and they have to 
look around for a player who is chasing them, right? So we play different type of tag games. And for those that were with me for coaching soccer weekly, those games are there. And for those that are starting on this journey with me, I will talk about this game and I will teach it to you very, very quickly. So I will put on my coaching hat and here we go. But before I do that, a word from our sponsors. Today we're going to be playing Stuck in the Mud. I'm looking for two mud monsters. Okay, so players will raise their hand. I will pick two players. At this point, everyone has a ball. Now, uh, those two players come off with me, and then I go in with a ball, and I do this. Excellent. So these two players are going to be our mud monsters. Now, our mud monsters are very scary. The mud monster's job is to tag me. Mud monster, can you come and tag me? One of the mud monsters comes, runs over and tags me. And I say, that's fantastic. Except now, can we try that again? But can we hop, hop, hop with one leg like a flamingo, right? Because I want them to start with hopping on one leg because that makes it easier for the players, especially if they're at a brand new level. That's how we kind of make it so they're being chased, but it's not overwhelming. So that player comes, tags me again on one leg and I go, fantastic. If a mud monster tags you, you are stuck in the mud. And how do I know I'm stuck in the mud? It is because I pick up the ball and I put it on top of my head and I open my legs. When I do that, I kind of make that gesture of uh, my legs are stuck to the ground like glue so that I can't move them. That's why the game is called Stuck in the Mud. And then I say, okay, excellent. And then Johnny, I need some help. How would you help me get back into the game? And then Johnny would uh, put the ball in between my legs and I say, fantastic, Johnny. And then I would put the ball down and start dribbling. And then I obviously have to talk about what happens if I go out of bounds. So I will dribble the ball out of bounds and I will say, "Uh oh, if I go out of bounds, what does that mean? I am everyone yells stuck in the mud. And then I say, OK, good. But can I be stuck in the mud out here? And they go, no. And I go, why not? And they go, because then no one can come and help you. And I go, fantastic. So if I'm stuck in the mud out here, I simply grab the ball, pick it up, walk back in, and then I'm stuck in the mud inside. That is a little bit of how we play stuck in the mud. So the idea with stuck in the mud is that players are being chased. And if you have ever had someone chasing you, it is instinct to look around and see where that player is. And that for me is the introduction to scanning. And we do this every session, every session. Not once, not twice, but every single session we play with our five-year-olds this game with the idea that we want them, from a muscle memory point of view, to understand when they have the ball, they should not be looking at the ball. They should be looking for someone. They should be looking for the player that is trying to get them. And that is how we start with uh, scanning at a very young age. Now, as players get older, we then start to actually talk about and define what scanning is, right? And we have to define scanning and talk about that from a lot of different types of situations on the field. So first and most important, you start with the actual definition, which is scanning shoulder to shoulder. Now, there are two types of situations where you should be scanning. The first one is when we have the ball. When we have the ball, you should be scanning, right? That's and this is from a team point of view. So when we have that ball from our team point of view, there are two types of situation. You personally have the ball and that's scanning that we work on from five years old. And then the other situation is when your teammates have the ball. 
and you don't have the ball, but that's another point where you should be scanning for the ball. And then the other situation and the flip side of that is when the other team has the ball. So when the other team has the ball, you should also be scanning. And if you think about that, that means you should be scanning at every single moment on and during the game. So those are the only situations that happen in the game. Either you have the ball, your teammates have the ball, or the other team has the ball. That is it. There, there are no other situations in the game, right? Even if the ball is in the air, it still counts as your possession if you're passing from player to player, whatever. Um, but that is when you should be scanning. So you should be scanning throughout the whole game. And now that we've broken that down, okay, we can start to break down each of those concepts and talk about what we're looking for from a scanning point of view. And whenever we're seeing those situations in a practice situation, so what I mean by that is if you are in the situation in practice where your team has the ball, then you focus on scanning from a possession point of view. And then if you're in practice and you're on defense, then you focus on defensive scanning. And if you are doing 1v1s, then you focus on scanning with the ball. So those are the different situations in each one you have to be looking for different things. So let's talk about my favorite thing, which is scanning when our team has the ball. So my team has the ball. I personally do not have it, but my teammates have that ball. So we do this a lot in our rondos, right? And rondos for us are kind of the basic exercise that every single player has to do when they come in and train with us. Okay, so that's the welcome activity um, when players come in to our practice. Now, rondos are technically uh, monkey in the middle type games. However, for me, it's not a real rondo unless the players are moving. So those circle rondos, I don't think are real rondos. Um, technically, they are, but you would never, ever see one of my teams get in a circle uh, and they just pass the ball without moving. I don't believe in that. There's no movement. There, it, It's not a game situation. It doesn't work. It's not real. So uh, let's talk about that then. Let's talk about scanning from a team point of view. And let's talk about that uh, when our team has the ball and we have possession. And what do I do? Well, the very first thing that we do is we have to look for the passing lane. Now, a passing lane is a direct line from the ball to me. So I have to make sure, it doesn't matter who has it on my team, that I have a direct passing lane to that ball. And that is the first thing that I'm scanning for, always. As soon as I do that, okay, then I'll be looking for the next most important thing. And that is for the opponent. Okay, The opponent is the most important thing when I receive that ball because it determines where my first touch is going to be. So our first touch is always going to be away from the defender, right? So first thing that I'm looking for, passing lane. Second thing I'm looking for is opponent. The third thing I'm looking for now that I've had those two, right? I want to make sure that I can get it, hold it, and then give it, okay? Very important. Get it first through finding a passing lane. Hold it by scanning for the opponent. And then I'll add to that 
body shape, right? So my body shape, again, I have to be able to receive that ball in a way that I can hold it, right? And then from there, I should be scanning for my teammates because I want to be able to know where I should be giving the ball. So get it, right? Hold it, give it. Now, it's really important to scan in that order, but all these three steps are done before I receive the ball. So I don't receive it, then scan for hold it, then scan for give it, right? I Before I receive it, I scan for can I get it, can I hold it, and then can I give it? So all those things are done before I receive that ball, and that's really important. Now, are the, there are some other little parts to that as well. Now, most of you are probably thinking, well, it's like if you miss the most obvious, right, space, you should be scanning for space. Well, yeah, but space doesn't mean anything, right? There is space between our goalkeeper and the corner flag, but that doesn't mean it's useful space. Useful space is very important, but it has to be useful. And if we can focus on get it, hold it, give it, then that in itself is useful space. But the other really important thing that we have to start to get players to do is stop focusing on the ball, right? Because what I see is that players are just focusing on the player with the ball, right? So if I'm playing a winger position, all I'm looking at is my fullback who has the ball. And that's not right. You can't do that. It's always so funny when, you know, I've got some classic uh, hockey uh, friends here and and they watch soccer with me sometimes and they say, Seg, if soccer is so boring, the defenders, they pass the ball from, you know, one defender to the other defender. And, and I say, yeah, that sounds like a very boring game to me too. But that's not what I'm looking at when I'm watching a game. If there are 22 players on the field, why am I watching the player with the ball? Right? That makes no sense. There are 22 players. Why watch one? Watch all of them, right? So the ability to not just watch the ball, but watch everything is the most important part of this game. And that is the essence of scanning. So again, get it. How do I get that ball? Do I have a passing lane? And then on top of that, how can I hold it? And then once I know how to hold it, where can I give it? So we have to maintain even passing lanes in the give it situation, right? I have to make sure that I am in a position to give it to another player. So that's one thing, right? We have the ball, okay? That's one part of us having the ball, okay? So we're in possession, but I personally don't have it. Now, the other part of that is what do I do when I have the ball? What am I scanning for? Well, if I have that ball, then I should be in the hold it, give it spot, right? And I should have already figured out what I'm going to do with it. So that kind of takes care of both of those situations. Now, there are two different situations in the game, but the principles are still the same, right? If I do get it, hold it, give it, then I'm in a situation where when I do have that ball, I already know what to do with it. The other situation is the flip side of that. And the flip side of that is the one that we really don't like, 
which is the other team having the ball. Now, there are teams that are very defensive teams, right? We can think about those legendary uh, Mourinho teams, uh, those Chelsea teams that, you know, park the bus and, and all this. I don't like to play like that. I want my kids to have fun. And for me, fun is having the ball. But it does happen, right? I mean, the other team will have the ball. Even in our friendly games, uh, two weeks ago, you know, we had 67 possession, but there are still moments where the other team has possession of the ball. And we have to understand what to scan for. But lucky for you, you already know the answer. It's the exact same thing as the possession. But now all we have to do is prevent it. So what do we have to do first? Prevent the player from getting it. Then we have to prevent the player from holding it. And then we have to prevent the player from giving it. And those are the things that we scan for. Simply that. Where's my player? Okay, first I have to scan to find my player. Okay, so now that I have found my player, how is he going to get that ball? Well, how can I prevent him from getting that ball? Okay, if that ball is coming to that player, how can I prevent him from holding it? And the worst situation is once my player has it, how do I prevent them from giving it, right? And sometimes depending on your position, there's different priorities. So for example, if I'm playing a forward position, right? If I'm a striker, if I'm playing Holland's position, or if I'm Doku, or if I'm playing Foden's position, the priorities are different. My priority may not be number one, prevent them from getting it. It might just be preventing it from giving it to a player on a higher line, right? So if we're playing forwards against defense, it might be my job to just prevent the defenders from getting the ball to the midfielders. And if that's the case, then I prevent the give it part. But if I'm someone like John Stones, who's a defender, my priority is very different. Okay, Most of the time, those players are defending their 18-yard box. And as a result, the priority is prevent them from getting it, right? That's the most, I don't want that player to get it at all. I don't want the striker to get it. If you're playing against Holland, you don't want him to get that ball. Anytime he gets the ball, it's a goal. So that's a different priority. And we have to make sure players understand where their priority lies in that get it, hold it, give it situation. Now, there are different ways to work on this. First and most important is rondos, right? So again, if you're doing 5v3 rondos in a circle, you're never ever going to be working on scanning. You just won't. If you're in a circle, you don't need to scan. Everyone's around you. It's the other types of rondos, the ones that, for example, we use where players are in a square, okay, that you're going to start to get that scanning. However, the most amount of scanning is when you have the player in the middle. So you would have uh, a square, right? And you would be playing 4v1, for example. And uh, there's players on the north, east, south, west, uh, and then one player in the middle. So that's the, that's the very basic. And there's very limited type of scanning, but it's still better than a circle. You got players moving, 
okay, they shoulder to shoulder the scanning, that's when we start to introduce it. But the most amount of scanning is when you actually put a neutral player in the middle that acts as your center defensive mid. And now we'll start to get a lot more scanning, especially from that player. But my favorite way to get, get it, hold it, give it, is attack versus defense game. And I absolutely love these types of games, attack versus defense, because they're small sided. So you don't have 14, 15 players with one ball. No, no. Okay. The most that you have is eight players. You're playing a 3v3 plus two where you're having the number of midfielders that you have playing one against one. So we have three midfielders. So I would say, because we're playing 7v7. So we go uh, one winger, one center mid, one other winger, and then there's two in each position. So it's like a blue versus a red. And then you've got neutral players as defenders there. And if you want to do a 3v3 plus three, then you add a forward, and then you play up to three, pat, uh, for example, and then you just rotate the team. So there are ways to make that even. And then you get uh, nine players, uh, but that's really where you can start to work on both the defensive and the offensive part, okay? Who's holding it? Who's getting it? Who's giving it? You know, so those types of things, and that's really where you can really start to get scanning into a big part of what you do. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Soccer Coaching Mastermind. Hopefully next week, I'll be back and talk about the games that we had this coming up weekend. This coming up weekend, we're playing two of the same team at different age groups. We do have three games, so uh, it'll be really interesting. We have our U10s playing, then our U11s playing, and then our U14s playing. So our U10s is our 2014s, which I'm really excited about. Uh, there's a pretty good team there um, with a lot of new players. We're kind of lacking in offensive power, um, but defensively we should be pretty sound uh, and we should be able to keep the ball in the back really well. I'm expecting us to have some mistakes in the back, so definitely not going to be a 0-0 game, but I really think that from a possession point of view and being able to get the ball from the first third to the second third, I think we'll be really good at that. And then it's really about the creativity of our wingers. Can they get the ball from that second third and try and find a way to score? And if we can do that, we'll be successful uh, and hopefully pull off uh, a win. But, uh, you know, that attacking power is going to be a really big difficulty for that team. Our 2013s, I'm really excited to see how they do this season. A lot of these players haven't really decided what their favorite position is. So a lot of the games, they'll be, coach, can I play this? Coach, can I play that? And the answer is always yes. You know, And, and we always try them in different positions. So we're not consistent and we're not going to be because these players are just in a situation where they're still trying to figure out where they want to play. And for me, if a player wants to play in a position... I'm going to do that for them because that's how they have fun. And there's developmental opportunities in every position. So that's really that focus. Our U14 team is pretty much a brand new team. Um, this team was a tournament team that we had last year that we combined with our 2011s. But now uh, we've been able to fill that team up. We have our first ever goalkeeper in that team. Uh, and what I mean by that is we haven't had a 2010 goalkeeper uh, for a very, very long time. So uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how everyone kind of meshes together. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, so this is kind of that 
you know, question mark and we'll see how we play. We'll see if it's uh, a very gladiator performance. And what I mean by that is playing the way that we want to play, you know, really keeping possession, really showing teams that are ability in 1v1 is at a very high level right so we want to do both of those things be able to get the ball to those doku like players on the wings and have them create these chances and we'll just kind of have to wait and see uh and i will be back next week and let you know about it unless something else happens with the league so until next week enjoy the journey enjoy the moments but most importantly enjoy the game